Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Half-Ashed. My name is Craig Schneider. That gentleman, 1,800, yeah, 1,800 miles southeast of me, is none other than Mr. Kip Fisher, and we are coming to you live for the 156th time this uh, Friday evening, November 25th, though I'm going to file a formal complaint here that I'm, I'm pretty sure Kip has stolen 10 episodes away from me. Because I don't think there's any chance we're on episode 156. I still think we're on 146. So you don't have to believe it for it to be true. No, no, no. I'm gonna have to go back and check the uh, check the podcast history here. I think you're lying to me. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, there's so much to gain from that. <laughs> yeah, if you're gonna if you're gonna lie about something, that's what I think you should be doing. Exactly. Uh, well, we uh, we are. A little bit fatter, a little bit uh, happier, a little bit, oh, I think a little bit more thankful might be a good way of putting it, this day after Thanksgiving. Um, but besides besides the fact that we are two Americans having enjoyed Thanksgiving, we have the esteemed privilege to have a Canadian also on the line tonight who has really no idea what we're talking about because they don't, they don't care about our illustrious Thanksgiving holiday. The, uh, no. the one, the only... Zedman, 1,600 miles northwest of me, is here with us tonight on Half-Ashed. How are you doing, Adam? I'm pretty good. It's a lot farther north, more north than west, I think. <laughs> oh, oh, so you're going you're gonna to bust on the host for your introduction. I see how it goes. All right, all right. We'll say north. That's fine. North, yeah. northwest. Yeah, you guys are all fat from your Thanksgiving. We already did that a month ago. Yeah, you guys are just... You know, you think it's such a good idea, you had to do it early. You couldn't wait. I, I mean, we're American. You have to do what we do. Well, you got to get it in before the igloo thaws. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, Adam, uh, Adam's here tonight, not just because he's a pretty face, um, but he was lucky enough to be able to spend last week in no other locale than the place of our dreams, which happens to be Havana, Cuba. So he's going to talk a little bit about this later on. We haven't really sorted out in what segment he's going to do that, but uh, yeah, I'm sure we can just kind of play it by ear here and see how it goes. But Man, This worked for the first 155 episodes. <laughs> <laughs> so says the man who gives us practically a script on a weekly basis. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we play it by ear. Yeah, That is not real. Oh, it's close to a script. What can I say? Well, we have uh, we have a, a holiday we've just celebrated. We have a guest with us, and we also have our favorite time of the year on Half Ashed. It occurs once a month or thereabouts. The unbanded episodes. So tonight we have we have uh, another Wait, one. Our favorite time of year happens once a month or so. <laughs> Yeah, it's great. We have 12 favorite times a year. It's near 48 hours, isn't it? Oh, you're, you're a jerk. Uh, just a couple days. Uh, yes, we have uh, we have another unbanded. This one is yet again from D.C. We, uh, we're going to have to buy that guy an island or something for how much he gives us these these unbanded. We really appreciate it. And uh we were herfing down this one a little bit. I started mine before showtime, so I'm already well into it and did not have a chance to light up the first one or the the other uh, sample of these unbanded before tonight. So I'll see if I can spark that one up during the show here again and uh, kind of smoke both of them during the recording. So, Kip, have you lit into this yet? You enjoying it? 
I am. I uh, we talked a little bit before we were recording that the uh, initial puffs were a little bit. Uh, what's the word I'm trying? A little bit sharp with a retro hail, but that calmed down quickly. It's got some good spice to it, and I I, uh, I think we actually jumped to some conclusions in the first few minutes about what we think this cigar might be, but I guess we'll see how it goes for the next hour, hour and a half. Yeah, we can't uh, we can't spill the beans just yet, but. Man, oh man, all of a sudden, you you mentioned one cigar, and it totally took me down this pathway of memory. Um, it's one of my favorite things of of the smoking cigars collectively, everybody kind of having a group review. One person said something, and all of a sudden, boom, your mind goes somewhere it never would have otherwise. <laughs> so. Having a regular circle hearth. <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh, boy. Ah, well, Zed, you're not, uh, thankfully, to complete this circle, you're not smoking this unbanded, but what do you have tonight? <laughs> I got a Hoyo Double Corona. Oh, nice. So, Is that uh, a freshie from the trip? Actually, no. It's It was a gift from one of the people that were down at in Havana. I've never had the DC, so I uh, decided to light it up for the show tonight. Hmm. So... Didn't think I was going to be on, but either way, it doesn't matter. It's good. Good so far. Good. Glad to hear that. And, uh, hey, we didn't think you were going to be on either, if it makes you feel any better. It was a heck of a spur-of-the-moment decision. I'm glad we did it. Well, yeah. I, uh, I'm i happy to have you here. Any uh, Anything going on for you, new and exciting, you want to share as we get the show started? You know how the beginning format is. We just always BS a little bit. Uh, not well. I mean, I'm pretty sure we're going to get into the trip and everything. That was the major, major thing that's gone on with me in the last little while. So, but uh, just getting over the week of getting back into work and you know dealing with ups and problems in the first couple of days made me want to be on holidays for the <laughs> rest of the week and <laughs> not be yeah, glad that I'm back at work. <laughs> I can imagine that would be the case, most definitely. Now, did I uh, did I understand right that you didn't let your wife come along on this trip? That's correct. Wow, you guys, uh, you have got one heck of an agreement going on that you can take your trips and and uh, experience yeah. with different places. I like it. So I've had this conversation with a few people, <laughs> including people I work with. All the guys at work are kind of jealous as well. But the wife and I, the wife and I actually do trips away from each other, uh, not often, but we do our own thing every once in a while. She'll go with like her mother or her friends, and she went to Cuba in January with her mom, and Vegas last year with her friends, and next year with her friends. And I do sometimes I go like I with, did the dog watch trip with Bob um, and Colin in the cigar tourism thing in 2011. And uh, this was the second one that I've done by myself. So, Oh, really? Uh, she doesn't mind because she's she's nowhere near wanting to go with, with me to do anything related to cigars. So hmm. she's like your wife. <laughs> yes, very much so. You, uh, you said that and immediately <laughs> that's where my uh, mind went. 
I, you know, I guess now that you mention it, my my wife and I do take separate trips too. Though they're they're now they're on a smaller scale. Our kids are much younger than yours, but um, yeah. you know, I would do the the dog watch trips, and then I'd gone down to Central America separately too, and or I'm sorry, the cigar tourism trips, and um, uh. <clears throat> Now, I mean, I'll take a, a weekend with guys and go to a lake house, and she'll take a weekend with her girlfriends and go to a lake house, that sort of a thing, too. So, yeah, that does make some sense. That's true. Yeah. It's not like we're taking vacations all the time away from each other. It's just um, if it's something that I really want to do, like the Cuba thing. Like, we went two years ago with the kids to Cuba, and that was fun. But wow. this was just the, the kind of a last-minute thing, like, six weeks ago she was she just said yeah that's fine if we just go before we don't have enough money for it so <laughs> yeah and after the trip you no longer have money for no. that hole <laughs> oh i i uh you know what i haven't been out of the website i was so busy this week oh my gosh i was so busy at work getting five days of work in in just three days um I don't think I've been on half-assed other than Monday. I don't think I went on Tuesday and Wednesday. So I didn't see your hall picks. No. I posted oh, I, a lot. I, uh, I'm going to have to get on there. I definitely saw a lot of the things you posted. I Maybe I did see your hall pictures because I responded to some of those, didn't I? Uh, no, probably not that. Um, I the A bunch of the pictures that I was posting during the trip, you commented oh. on, but I don't know about the stuff that I posted post trip. Hmm. So, well, that makes some sense. I'll. Uh, it's another reason to get back on there. Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe depending on if I have a cup of coffee tonight, I might go on again after the show. Yeah, I did the old uh, post post a picture and then explain it, just to just explain quickly what it is or where it, the place is or whatnot. So. And I got an update on one of the pictures that I posted. I think I posted it. So, and I didn't know about it. And it's a cool fact. So, hmm. now did you go down for any of the? Uh, um, well, you know what? Let's talk about it a little bit later on once we get into it. This is still our our intro a <laughs> bit. And you know, I, come to think of it, I don't even think we uh, shared what little we do know about this cigar. Uh-uh. All we did was that it was an unbanded and from DC. Well. I uh, I took some measurements off of this bad boy, and uh, there you go, chat room. Um, bad boy. Yeah, there's number one. It's coming in at just a little bit, uh, just a shade different from a typical Corona Gorda. Um, maybe five and three quarters, five and five eighths, somewhere right there, uh, by 48. Now, it's a little bit of an oblong measurement, as if this had a true box press to it, so it was no longer... Uh, perfectly round, so it could be a 46. It's looking like a 48, but um, those are my rough dimensions. The the wrapper is definitely um, on the Maduro side of Colorado, and it's got some minor tooth to it, but there are segments of the wrapper leaf that um, do not have the tooth. So a little inconsistent, but beautiful shade, beautiful oils, and uh, just that kind of gorgeous, supple feel. At least, uh, at least on my samples. Yeah, same here. Uh, you described this cigar perfectly. Uh, triple cap, flat, uh, very flat head on this. Kind of almost like a uh, uh, Mike Stewart cigar. One his his early cigars that really had no shoulder. It was just uh, 
straight sides and then boom, flat head. Um, but a, a good looking cigar and it's smoking well too. I'm, uh, I'm enjoying the first third. Definitely. Yeah. Same here. So, well, I, uh, we really, you know, you don't have too terribly much to share when you got an unbanded on the front end of this. So let's run on into the news stories here and, uh, let's, let's see what else we can drudge up for this evening. What, an evening that's undoubtedly going to be a little bit, uh, a little bit different from normal, but in a good way. So stick around. Hope you can get some information that uh, you want to hear. Have some laughs and, and smoke a cigar or two while we're having fun. So it's uh, it's going to be another fun night of cigars and rum. I just poured myself a finger apple tin, and I'm going to throw uh, a little bit of seltzer water in there. So stick around. I'm around. You're around. What? And we don't have rum. What is rum? Yeah, you have no idea after a week in Cuba. (laughs) (laughs) It's crazy. Lots and lots of rum. Yeah, I should have. uh, I should have paid you for that. I didn't even think about it. Oh well. Could use a refill. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Kipper, go ahead with this J.C. Newman story here. Yeah, I got a. A little bit of information. Uh, actually, mostly pictures from J.C. Newman. I I talked to a couple of folks at the show this year and got a uh, similar story, but a little more detail on the um, the Black Diamond, the cigar they've been talking about and getting quote unquote getting ready to release for nearly three years. Uh, wait, I want to say. Wait, 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 wait. You're you're communicating with Julius Caesar. Never mind. No. Terrible joke. Okay. <laughs> thanks for thanks for helping me out on that one. You'd be terrific. I was, <laughs> trying, improv troupe, Kip. I was trying to think of what I had said. I hey. I got a bunch of information, mostly from Julie or no, mostly from J.C. Newman. <laughs> ah, never mind. Okay. J.C. stands for Julius Caesar Newman. That was their grandfather. Grandfather? Great grandfather. That Great was grandfather. their grand grandfather, right? Stanford was their dad. Julius Caesar was their grandfather, I believe. All right. So Julius Caesar was a Newman. Uh, that's where J.C. Newman, the company, is named after. So I thought it was a good joke. It's not. Don't tell my wife that I had another terrible one. Please, let's just all move on. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> you have been booed in the chat room. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I have. <laughs> Where was I? Okay. The Black Diamond from JC Newman <laughs> via Fuente. This is uh, like most or all uh, diamond crowns, I suppose, are Fuente products. I mean, made by Fuente for JC Newman. The organization, not the, the spirit of people past. Um, We've been actually talking about a few times. I think I even sent you one after the show this year to to smoke, and we talked about it at the time. Um, But anyway, after three years, this thing is in the marketplace. It's uh, hitting shelves already at certain retailers. I'll tell you that in just a moment. Um, The unofficial story that I got from an employee was that this originally was going to just be a packaging change on the uh, Diamond Crown Maduro. And it ended up, they just kind of liked the theme and the name and all that. And they went back and have created an entirely different 
blend, a different cigar uh, to carry the Black Diamond name and a, a different pricing structure as well. Um, and I guess they just kind of fell in love with the thing and now it's in the market. It's, it's available in three Vitolas, uh, the Emerald, which is 6x52, uh, the Marquis, which is five and a quarter by 56, and the Radiant, which is four and a half by 54. And these are going to retail for 16 to 20 bucks a stick in boxes of 20. And uh, it's, like I said, it's hitting shelves, but at the moment, only in Diamond Crown lounges. And I think there's somewhere around 25 or 30 of those lounges around the U.S., um, but the way this has worked in the past, when they launch a new special product like the Julius Caesar that they released in 2012 or so, they, uh, they're they available in the lounges for about six months exclusively, and then they open that up to other accounts that want to carry the product as well. So I imagine this will be pretty similar here in a few months. You'll start to see it on the other store shelves. Oh, absolutely. Um, it's uh, Fuente Tobacco. It's uh, This is a weird name for tobacco. It's a Connecticut Havana seed wrapper grown in the Dominican Republic. Uh, and then internally it's all Dominican tobacco is my understanding as well. Um, so I like it. Uh, I don't know that I like it enough that I would drop you know, 16, 18 or 20 bucks on them, uh, a single cigar for them, but, but it was a very good cigar. Or at least what came you. out of the show. That's I agree with you. Everything you said, wholeheartedly. <laughs> <laughs> ah, never mind. Uh, I uh, I always find it difficult to drop coin on sixteen bucks on a new cigar from a company that you really haven't had a history of cigars that line up with your profile. Um, it's kind of the La Polina mentality. I just don't know if I can go there. Um, I have had some great Diamond Crown cigars. I mean, we've talked about a couple of them on this show in the past, but... Uh, the 20th anniversary recently. Oh, the thing was mind-bogglingly good, but I don't know. I just can't reach for a Diamond Crown and know that I'm getting an experience that's worth three other cigars or something on a regular basis. But Yeah, and, and you know, part of what drives that is... is it's a third-party product. They're having somebody else make it. Same thing as many other companies. Um, they do have a factory themselves in Nicaragua now, but this is still being made by Fuente. So when you add another extra step in that supply chain, of course it increased costs. And when you add that step that happens to be Arturo Fuente, that's another cost because, because it's a Fuente product. Yeah, that... Uh that certainly all adds up. One of the reasons the VSGs were always more expensive than everything else, I feel like. The Ashton VSG, yeah. The ESG was even more so. But the, the, you know, I really, really like the Maximus, the Diamond Crown Maximus, but I didn't, it's not a cigar that I went and bought just on a weekly or monthly basis. It was just a, a, an occasional thing. I, uh, I've i always kind of wondered what the north of the border folks think about these cigars that are just, I don't know about so big in the States, but, you know, I've kind of uh, carved their niche out as a high-end cigar in the States, um, but then price-wise, you would be in the same par with 
a high-end Cuban cigar. Uh, are you? Do you guys even have Diamond Crowns at local uh, facilities, or do you just buy everything online, Adam? No, there's there's B and M's here, but you got to be rich to afford to oh, smoke gosh. cigars constantly. So, yeah, there's no doubt about that. You get you either you either buy a few singles here and there at B and M's, try and support them as much as you can, and then buy things online, or do like I do and wait and go down in one trip and try and make it worthwhile. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's true. I guess if you can say, okay, now I'm not going to buy any cigars for six months, that's real easy to uh, to budget that in. Yeah. <laughs> I'm having to spend an inordinate amount of time on this mute button. So I think she's quietened down now. There is what I believe to be a very drunk, very off-key woman singing somewhere out in the street in front of the <laughs> Uh, I uh, I have too many other bad jokes that I'll save myself the ridicule in the chat room from sharing. Ah. Oh, I think I heard her there. Yeah, there was a, a laugh came out. Uh, well, was, I heard plenty of that this week. I I got I got I got inundated with thoughts of well, how would Kip handle this <laughs> all week long? WWKD. <laughs> Uh, well i the biggest thing that intrigues me about this black diamond is that there were some thoughts perhaps maybe i'm maybe i'm not uh putting the right words in your mouth there kip but wasn't there some correlation between that 20th and the potential of the black diamond uh i don't recall that because the the 20th was a, a natural wrapper. And I think all the black diamonds are Maduro. Well, that would be a pretty big difference, wouldn't it, there? Yeah, but, you know, my memory is addled with tumor, so who knows? I thought that, I mean, in the very little that was uh, known about that 20th or even what whatever that cigar was, if it wasn't the 20th, I thought something had come of that that had expressed it might have had something to do with this special release cigar that they were going to be releasing. Yeah, there's very little. The, the, the 20th thing was just something handed out at uh, CFC. Two CFCs ago, and nothing else said except this is the 20th anniversary Diamond Crown. <laughs> no detail whatsoever, which is pretty typical. Hmm. Well,. It's a darn good cigar, so yeah, that that intrigue might get me to uh, make an impulse buy on one of these black diamonds, uh, but a single if I see them, not anything more than that, unless they're strikingly amazing. Yeah, same way. Yeah, well, now the next story I imagine uh, wets your whistle a little bit. Yeah, the uh, Cuban folks I knew in in Miami had a gesture and. Uh, a sound that would accompany a story like this. The sound, at least, is just... <laughs> uh, just because I love this cigar, I love this blend, but... Uh, okay, never mind. The Oliva Serie V Maduro. You've heard me rant, not rant, rave about this cigar for years. We did a vertical tasting of this thing over a five-year span, and I love them. But... 
this year's for the third year in a row is coming in a six by sixty format again. Uh, I'm just not not a fan of that particular size, and that's okay because I'm not the guy that buys all of them. So I suppose you got to make what sells. And um, also still continues with the San Andreas wrapper, which I believe it's also had last this being the third year, more than that I suppose it. Maybe it's been five years since they changed to that wrapper, but uh, everything else remains pretty much the same as the last two years. Production somewhere of sixty, eighty thousand cigars, ten bucks a pop. Uh, although that that price doesn't seem to be fixed, and because these cigars I see with wildly varying prices throughout Florida and Tennessee as well. Um, MSRP is 10 bucks, but at my shop I used to shop at in Tampa, it was pretty normal to see them eight bucks or so. Hmm. <clears throat> well, I can understand they discount them so that they, that way they could actually sell those things. Uh, I don't believe that to be the case, despite my best efforts at purchasing all the other smaller cigars. Apparently, six by 60 sales. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it, it's funny, if you look at the cigar world in social media, everybody loves Coronas and Lanceros, but it's pretty dang clear that that's not where the bulk of the market sales are. Otherwise, we would see a lot more of them. Well, oh, gosh, yeah. That's the opposite I found in uh, Havana this week. Everybody, uh -huh. everybody was asking for Coronas and Lanceros and anything less than what they keep putting out. Yeah, so. and, and I'm going to make an assumption that most of the folks there are Cuban cigar smokers for the most part. And yeah, I guess Cuba pretty pretty much resisted that transition to bigger rings for far longer than than most other, broadly speaking, most most other cigar nations. I uh, yeah. yes and no. Um, I don't know if I'd say resisted. I'd say was perhaps ignorant to. I I think that uh, <clears throat> Cuba for many 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 years was riding a wave of of complacency. Hey, these are what our cigars are. If you want our cigars, you're going to take this. And then it took the '90s and gifted cigar makers and um, equally uh, acceptable. Um, growing locations to prove that maybe there's an actual premium cigar market out there, not just Cuban cigars and the rest of the world. And, um, you know, you can, uh, <laughs> wow, that is a horrible joke, Kip. Um, and you can, uh, make the, the case that, Hey, it took the mid to late nineties for Cuba to realize, Oh, wait a second, we need to do something. And then when, um, uh, Abanos SA took over and really started marketing specific things. You saw big moves like the first Maduros come out in 2000, 2001, that era. Um, you saw in 2002, 2003, uh, no, 2002, the first major discontinued list um, come out where dozens of Vitolas were lopped off and those, uh, those Vitolas were mainly skinny cigars. And then you saw um, after that, uh, the varietal changes occurring at a much quicker pace. Um, and with those varietal changes, one of the things that seemed to be stressed in, within Cuba was the ability for the cigars to be smokable sooner. 
Um, and then from there, towards the mid to late aughts, you started seeing the larger ring gauges come around. So in Cuba, I'd say you're seeing, you saw many more 46, 48, 50, 49, um, even, even up to 52 in late 2002 when the Sigla 6 came out. The, that was a 52 ring gauge. You saw those come out in the, in the 2000s. And I'd say that maybe that was a few years tardy, but it wasn't necessarily missing the boat. Um, I just think that, quite frankly, Cuba had no desire to change things up until a corporation came in and owned ha- and was able to control half the distribution rights of their product and told them, no, you need to do things differently. Otherwise, you're going to be, you will be overpassed by the rest of the world soon enough. And uh, they've adapted, and now they've got cigars that are a lot more expensive and just as fat, um, and they're trimming out as many Coronas, Petite Coronas, Trey Petit Coronas, Perlas, as you can think of. It's unfortunate. Indeed. That's not an impassioned response at all. No, no. It's a defeated response. Yeah. It's just you look back and it's a slap forehead now sort of moment on uh, all the moves that have been made since 2002. I mean, you just you saw it coming. Yeah. Uh, oh well. I'm getting the music. Yeah. yeah, it's unfortunate because it is. It was a whole bunch of people that I was talking to that are all cigar guys, and a lot of them are from the states. And even them, almost every one of them would prefer the Corona-ish size. You know, your 42 to 46 at the most ring gauge is is seem to be the most common preference they'll still uh, it seemed like everybody was smoking everything in general but almost a, a common occurrence to hear if, if i could choose i would take a corona hmm. you know i uh, uh that size i i was in oh gosh well it doesn't matter where i was but I had a conversation with someone who was very aware of Cuban manufacturing procedures. And one of the things that was discussed was that a Petit Corona and a Robusto were nearly identical um, tobaccos used flavor component wise. And then the Robusto was essentially just fattened with Velado, the low primings, the good combustion, um, low oils, low flavor. Um, to bring it out to the 50 from the 42. Um, and if you smoke a Robusto next to a Petit Corona of the same blend, you typically are able to realize a nearly identical smoking time. So that got me thinking a little bit. You look at prices. Back when this conversation took place, you could pick up a, ba- a box of Petit Coronas for 120 bucks, and a box of Robustos was 160 bucks. That tobacco that was used did not make up that $40 difference whatsoever. Yes, it was more labor. Yes, it was more material. But it was the cheapest material. And it wasn't labor in such that it would be uh, um, a more difficult role because it required a larger wrapper or something. It was it was simple extra tobacco to put into that bunch. Um, because much of Cuba is not a Lieberman. It's a hand bunch, or at least it was then. Adam, you can certainly offer in uh, thoughts now if you were in factories. But um, I, I think that it just makes some sense. You make a cigar bigger, 
it appears as if it's a, uh, a better product or a, uh, a better product, a, a better purchase. You can justify a little bit higher cost. And it's, it's just marketing. It's just capitalism. And anybody who thinks that there's not capitalism in a communist country is crazy. Yeah, no, as far as on my end, I definitely can, can see that point. Um, I think it also has to do with, uh, you know, just the step up in, in size. They can charge more on their end, and, and they don't have to worry about that's the biggest thing with Cuba. It's always been no one really, truly knows, and there's not a lot of conversations outside of Cuba about anything. So everybody's kind of speculating. It's always everybody kind of guessing and nobody really knowing if it's yeah. a better leaf or top-quality leaf to fill up a little bit more or whatnot. So it doesn't surprise me. <laughs> well, it's... um. It's always been a really interesting thing to consider and uh, does make a lot of sense. I mean, heck, if you can do it cheaper and sell it for more, why wouldn't you? Yeah, but. and as I found out this week, talking to, a, well, the one roller that I spent a lot of time with, it was Alex at the Hotel Comodoro, La Escajita, the Habano, and uh, yeah, um, he was saying, like, the rollers, they don't know the blend that they're rolling. They don't know what cigar they're rolling. They just know how to roll the cigar. You know, they're told you have this and this, and this is the order that you put it in, basically, you know, and you bunch it this way, and then you have this leaf that's this long, so you're rolling a Corona, whereas if you have this leaf, a leaf that's this long as a, as a final leaf, you're rolling a Lonsdale, and if it's a little bit longer, it's a, a Churchill. So they don't they don't know anything other than the size and how they're rolling it. So I, I actually see that same thing here, and a number of factories I've been in, the rollers know very little about what they're rolling, and most of the factories there's not a recognizable name attached to it on the molds or the the spec sheet where they have what they're rolling. They have runners that keep teams of torcedores supplied with tobacco, and they may know a little more. And But for the most part, there's one or two guys in that whole factory that actually know what's going into any of these cigars. And otherwise, it's just you know inventory being distributed. And same, just like you're describing, they know well, I need half a leaf of this and two of those and one of that. And, and that, that's all the, the roller knows. It's interesting that... Uh it's interesting that the industry has adopted that as the best way to move forward because it seems that if you had a little bit more knowledge, the quality control would just be that much simpler and it doesn't seem as if there's that much negative potential. If the person doing the work knows that, I mean, maybe the negative potential is you get somebody who shouldn't be making a decision certain way, making a decision, but um, you know, I, I don't know. People in an assembly line for an automobile know what they're making. It doesn't mean they, you know, put four doors on when it's only supposed to have two. I, I don't know. Maybe it's not the greatest analogy, uh, but I wonder if it's partially also has to do with they get to smoke one or two or three cigars a day off the line. So if they know they're getting a more expensive, more 
sought after cigar, they'll say that they're taking it to smoke and they'll take it and sell it. Hmm. If they know it's something more valuable, you know, I don't know, maybe, who knows? I mean, speculation. Yeah, or there maybe is some fear that Joe Blow Torcedor is going to go start making that cigar because it's not that hard to source those tobaccos <laughs> illicitly. Well, you know, I, well, no, you know, maybe I don't know. I was just going to say you, you could, you could see them taking that cigar knowing it's these components or knowing what the cigar is. And then you all of a sudden know exactly what those components are. But that's not to say that any good torsado couldn't take any cigar and take it apart and know what those components were. Um, maybe maybe I shouldn't just um, generalize and say any good torsador, but I have been around people who know tobacco who can take a cigar apart and say, that is this tobacco, that is this priming, and I believe it's from this country based on that appearance or that characteristic. So I, I don't even know if I can offer up that as a defense because I think people can already do that. Remember um, the story Skip Martin told? With Esteban, and Esteban is from the Dominican oh, yes. Republic, and but you know he lives in Nicaragua. He's partial owner of the factory in Nicaragua that the Nicasueño, uh, the Roma Craft factory, and but he was here in in the Dominican Republic with Esteban, and they're looking at tobacco bales or whatever. And Skip takes the card that says what that tobacco is and flips it upside down and challenges Esteban and says, I bet you can't tell me what this tobacco is. And Esteban picks some up and he smells it and looks at it and, and he declares what he thinks it is. And Skip laughs at him because he thought Esteban had incorrectly guessed the origin of that tobacco and because Skip had a, a region in mind and he talks to the people selling it and Esteban had named the farm the tobacco was grown on rather than the region or the country. Oh, that's, is that all? Yeah. That, that sounds like uh, in 2011 when I went to Nicaragua and someone brought down, I think it was Colin that probably brought it down. He brought a, a Cuban cigar and uh, we walked, went into the AJ Fernandez factory and AJ was there, and he gave him the cigar, unbanded, um, and said, I'd like you to dissect this and see if you know what it is. Didn't tell him if it was Cuban or non-Cuban. AJ pulled it apart, and he's like, oh, this is Seiko from Pinar del Rio. This area of Pinar del Rio. This is Velado from this area. He just, he just went through the whole thing, and he looked at it, and he looked at the leaf, and he burned, burned the wrapper, and bring the binder individually, tasted it. He's like, I, I can't remember what cigar it was, but he picked it right out of the, <laughs> we were all like, wow, that was, that was pretty good. So, <laughs> it was pretty oh, good. All right. Colin's like, yeah, I, yeah, that's it. <laughs> well, uh, so maybe we should have him on to do an unbanded Kip. What do you think? Yeah. We're certainly <laughs> not going to do any worse than he did. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think we're uh, we're like four for what are we on twenty six now? So twenty nine. Yeah, four for twenty nine. Okay, so we're running fourteen percent. I uh, I'd say his one hundred percent maybe could do a little better. Possibly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's just so awesome. I I love. 
Another thing uh, Skip has talked about is that people aren't just in the cigar industry. You have tobacco men in the cigar industry, people who know their tobacco. And that's who he geeks out over. That's what he loves. And uh, he knows that Esteban is a tobacco man, and he knows his stuff. I love that. And uh, I love that Skip recognizes that that's where it's at. Um, that's pretty cool. And one of the reasons why Roma Crafts are as good as they are, I bet. Yeah, I've re-fallen back in love with the Aquatane recently. Oof. Anyway, could, could, gotta, you, gotta, could you offer a cliff notes for that explanation? Re-fallen back in love recently? <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 when my cohort went to the States a month or two ago, I had her bring me back five Aquatane, and I think I've smoked four of them now. And holy crap, I love that cigar. Well, the I'm apology uh, size. I'm sending cigars down to Jeff in not too long. I'll pick up some uh, Roma Craft. If I can get Aquatane, I'll get some of those and send them down. Sweet. I can dig it. Hey, 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 before we get too much further, do you have the reveal for this Unbanded? Yes, yes, I do. Okay, have, uh, just making sure one of us knew what it was. Otherwise, we need to make sure DC stays in the chat room to tell us what this cigar is. <laughs> I have a, a very obviously taped. I have not opened it up yet. You can see that right there. Half of an envelope. So, Excellent. fully sealed. I could probably peek in there and find out, but no, you can see. You can't see what the wrapper is in there. So, for the band, excuse me. All right. Well, what's uh, what's next on the docket here? Uh, just next, next is just another uh, notice uh, for the growing number of Chokwe fans, uh, which <laughs> within which I include myself. Um, they are right by this point have released. They Victor uh, has at this point released his latest offering uh, called the Papa Chokwe. Uh, it actually. Two weeks ago now, since, since our last show, but he posted an Insta, Instagram picture, and he's been putting pictures of this cigar up for some time, but that it, he announced that it was available in the capital, and it was supposed to be in Santiago last Tuesday, but as of this Tuesday, it, it was not, so I'm not sure where that stands at the moment, but uh, so it should actually be hitting store shelves in the U.S. right now. Um, I'm not sure what the split was of the allotment, but total production was only 8,000 of these, so there's not that many of them. And so if you happen to be a big fan, you may want to chase a few of these down. Um, uh, these were actually rolled in 2014, and they've been hanging out waiting until uh, now, until he's got them. It's their turn in the queue, and I guess he's had several things kind of in the works since he launched that first cigar in 2014. Um, they're going to run about nine bucks a stick. I don't know. <coughs> excuse me. I don't know the uh, specific blend details outside of the fact that it's uh, another Dominican Puro. Uh, but Do you, I'm, uh, sorry. Go ahead. I'm actively trying to get my hands on a couple of these at least. I was just going to ask that. Do you uh, do you have your fingers into uh, into that little market to try to get your hands on some? Yeah, Victor uh, lives back and forth between here and the capital. He he is from Santo Domingo, but has been in the process of moving to Santiago for some time. And 
I think he's actually splitting time right now, and it's not that hard for me to get in contact with him. I may see if I can make a trip over to the top secret nest for an afternoon sometime soon. Very cool. I'll be interested to see how this one uh, how this one shapes up. I'll put it that way. With the yeah. uh, I I never remember the names of his cigars. The, the more recent one that just came out. The uh, Primer Año was more recent, but it was like a one shot deal, one year celebration um, of his first cigars launch. But the two seven seven was before that. And then that original line he put out, I don't believe I ever actually smoked that one. The, the Dos 77, the Dos Siete Siete was the one that I really, really liked. Um, and those have gotten sparse. And I guess there was a, a limit on, there, there, there have been two batches, two main batches produced. And I guess maybe the second batch is tapering off. So I don't know what's next for that. I believe it's going to be regular production. I don't know. But the, that was the one we smoked on the show, I believe. It sounds and right. I, I liked that one far more than the Premier Año. Uh, the Premier Año was a little bit uh, more potent in strength. And, but, uh, you know, when I, I, for me personally, I'm, I'm not the guy that chases strength because I'm a total nicotine wuss. Um, and the flavor was fine. It was just a little stronger than maybe I would reach for regularly. That that two seven seven was was my favorite by a good margin. Hmm. Yeah, I uh, I guess I was speaking to the fact that that the two seven seven was probably on the edge of where I like to be. It was a little bit harder, a little bit richer, um, and then with the the primer on you, eat primer on you going a bit further in all categories. It just, uh, it put me off just by reputation in that regard. So I'm hoping that this one perhaps comes back to earth a little bit rather than continuing the escalation. Yeah. And, and I don't know the answer to that as of yet. Uh, you know, I don't know which, wh where he went with this plan. Hmm. Well, time will tell. Yeah. I, I, funny how that happens. Stripper car wash has up their volume a little bit. I don't know if you can hear the music. <laughs> I thought uh, I thought your your drunk uh, street singer had perhaps turned up the volume and brought a boombox. No, I think she wandered off. Uh, where she's at? Pretty no, soon, Kip's going to be telling us, oh, "You guys are going to have to give me a couple minutes here. I'll be I'll be back." <laughs> uh, I just had to uh, get my rims washed I, I go to the washroom and, and get another drink and uh yeah <laughs> 10 minutes later his hair all disheveled glasses half cocked on his face uh well hey you got uh, you got some good news ahead of you kip exciting yeah. times coming it is the uh tatawahe port tenderloin which is one of those cigars that was very limited in scope but has been highly sought after for years since it hit the market. And I don't know, what year was that? 2007, 2009, somewhere around there? I, I, if I had to guess, I'd have said it was 2006. Okay. I thought it was early. Could be. An, it, it's been a long time, and it was a uh, one-shop exclusive to a, a shop that's not even around anymore. I'm having trouble recalling its name. It was... Um, up in New England somewhere, if I recall right. 
But anyway, that's not the story today. The story today is Pete Johnson and crew are making the uh, <laughs> Oh, If I'm Lost tour, uh, which is a, <laughs> a tour of nine or so shops where they're doing events at these shops and having these little uh, samplers available at these events. And the samplers are going to include recreations of the pork tenderloin, which we just talked about, the pork chop, which was another uh, limited run, and the Le Vignoble, which was last year was a special release. Uh, all of these were limited in scope in their original release and at the moment are for these. Um, but Pete said he had tried to, as, as much as possible, to re recreate these true to the original uh, using the same blend. Um, I guess some of them are going to be rolled in different different factory than the original. These will be made by my father. Um, but the uh, pork tenderloin, originally and presumably still, if you stayed true to the blend, as he says, was a 4x46 Nicaraguan Puro. Uh, the pork chop is a 5 and a, what is that, an eighth, 5 and an eighth by 52 Connecticut Broadleaf over Nicaraguan uh, binder and filler. And the Le Vignoble was a 6x38 Ecuadorian Habano over Nicaraguan binder and filler. So these are big deals in their day and have been subject to crazy amounts of money paid, especially for the pork tenderloin. And I happen to have one of those in the humidor that I've had for many years that someone gave me. And uh, well, maybe I can fire that up now. So I've been looking at it all these years, not wanting to smoke it, because I knew I'd never see another one. But there's no sense in dying and leaving your best cigars behind, so I might as well fire it up. That's, that's like the Barclay Rex. I wish they would bring that back. I have one yeah. left. That <laughs> was my favorite non-Cuban cigar of all time. Oh, really? Yeah. Hmm. He did a uh, a takeoff of that blend. Uh, it seems like there was some minor difference. Uh, he kind of somewhat recreated it for the SNS, uh, the Saints and Sinners package in 2013 or so. Mm -hmm. hmm. It just it never was the same. It's like uh, the um, TAA was supposed to be uh, somewhat reminiscent of the 2015 was supposed to be somewhat reminiscent of the Rex and have some roots that were close. I've heard that quite a bit. And that's why I got some as well. And it, 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 there are some things there, but you know, you can never really recreate that original run. And it's, it's yeah. sad because it'd be fantastic if you just had a magic blend that you could always recreate. Yeah, it's, fun, it's funny how our, our perception of things where I see this far more in pipe tobacco than cigars, but if a pipe tobacco blend is made and people enjoy it and love it and, and all, <clears throat> and the blend is taken over by another manufacturer, it doesn't matter if it's the same tobacco from the same crops in the same farms on the same equipment in the same factory, that people that smoke it will swear it's different. It does not matter if it's identical. It's different. No, it, I don't like it anymore. It's not the same. Right? Or they tell the new guys, well, you should have smoked it way back. <laughs> yeah. So 
I don't know. I, this one I have in the humidor is the only one I've ever had. I've never smoked it, so I can smoke this one now with however many years of time on it and at least compare it to what the new one is, but I, I, I don't have a baseline to say this is like it was or, or not. Well, think of, I mean, it's it, not the exact same uh, situation because they're different sizes slightly, but, I mean, think of all the monster iterations, the skinny monster, the fat monster, or pudgy monster, whatever that was called, and then the regular monsters. Um, I mean, those are the same blends in different lines, and nobody, nobody says that the Franks are as good as the actual Frank. I mean, I've not heard a single person come out and say that. And that original Frank, that original Frank is probably my favorite Tatuaje. One of the best non-Cuban cigars I've ever smoked, period. Um, and I, I, I don't know. It, you deal in these rare tobaccos that you're only making limited cigars with. Um, and I think that a huge part of that equation is the vintage. It's it's the specific situation that makes that tobacco as high quality as it was. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's it's yeah. like a vintage wine. You put a year on it because the eighty three is different from the seventy nine, different from the sixty three. It just is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Different different rainfall for the crop that year. Different amount of sunshine. Yeah. Then you got different different uh, minerals in the water that they're using during the fermentation. You know, it could be a little bit more um, some something in the water when they're doing fermentation that year versus the next year. So, yeah, you never get the exact same yeah. thing. You you just can't. Or if some rogue agronomist changed the fertilizer mix. You know, ten thousand different factors that could influence it. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Exactly. <laughs> we were at Chateau de la Fuente one year for CFC, and somebody asked about what kind of fertilizer they use, and Carlito just shut down. He's like, nope. <laughs> we're not going to talk about it. He doesn't talk about nothing like that. He does not want any of his secrets getting out. Well, I we can't blame the, him. <laughs> we, we use the cow poop from only black cows versus uh, the – Holstein cows, you know. <laughs> oh, and you would have you something know. like that. There would be symbolic. Yeah. I only use solid cows because the spotted cows, their symbols have told me that my mother-in-law is going to die next Thursday if I use this. Like, yeah. it's, he, he would absolutely have that symbology in it. One of the things that's not a secret at Chateau de la Fuente is Carlito's strict adherence to, to whatever to him are, quote-unquote, the old ways and where most farms in their barns have converted to propane for curing to generate some heat. He forces them, they burn coconut husks and nothing else in these little pits in the floor of the barn. And that's, that's it. That's the heat. That's no propane, no other kinds of wood. It's coconut husks and nothing else. It's crazy. Well, it's I mean, from, knowing from barbecuing in general, I mean, propane throws off quite a smell it's a very effervescent oh. gas so that's i didn't know that they use propane yeah hmm. yeah that's uh, a difference interesting stuff hey gosh i'd love i could i could go all night long on all this stupid little minutiae that i'm sure nobody's interested in yeah, I don't know, yeah. nobody 
You'd be you'd be surprised. I mean, judging by the people that I've talked to over the years, listening to different podcasts, a lot of the times you, when you're listening to a cigar podcast, you're into it for the for everything. I think. I mean, not just the reviews, but a lot of the behind the scenes stuff and the little talk. Any any little knowledge is always good. A lot of yeah. people appreciate all the little stuff. Yeah, the thing that gets us in trouble is we just make it up. Yeah. <laughs> shh, shh, shh. Uh, well, how, what you uh, thinking about this cigar these days? Because we're wrapping up the news air section segment. Yeah, you know, and I'm not far from wrapping up this cigar. Um, I think it's very good. I think it definitely... Um, is a blend. It does not stick out to me as being uh, typically from one country or another. Oh, what? Nothing. No, it, it, does this cigar strike you as being Nicaraguan or does this cigar strike you as being Dominican? No, it, it doesn't. It doesn't present as something that's strongly in, you know, if you can imagine a little quadrant, a little thing, a little graph divided into quadrants. So. Nothing says, yeah, this is definitely this is this is a, this is a Nicaraguan puro or anything like that. No, not at all. The only, well, the I, only um, cigar that is not a blend per se, uh, um, the all Nicaraguan broadleaf from Tatuaje, La Casita Criolla. <laughs> it's all broadleaf cigar. So uh-huh. technically, I think that that could probably be the only one you can call not a blend. You know what? I bet you couldn't, because I bet it's still got different primings and different percentages. Yeah, still the same same strain of tobacco. I wonder if that would be considered what they consider a blend, per se, I guess. The, um, well, then look at all of Cuba. Yeah. Well, no, but it's not from one fa- It's not from it's only not- one farm. You do have farmies, but... Yeah. But- that, um, that sort of thing does exist in a few different pipe tobaccos and one of them's on my mind because my buddy Nick was here today and he was smoking this blend every year McClellan puts out a uh, what they call Christmas cheer which sounds like it should be uh, you know pumpkin spice or cinnamon or whatever but it's not it's not uh, flavored at all in any kind of way but Christmas cheer every year is different every year is from one farm and one vintage and that's it and the only treatment is they're normal fermentation process that McClellan goes through, which, as a side note, gives their tobaccos a very characteristic aroma that is clearly distinguishable from any other manufacturer. You, you pop a tin of, of any of McClellan's Virginia blends, it has a distinct aroma. Uh, but um, Christmas cheers is different every year. and it's, it, it is not a blend. It's just it's the tobacco from one farm. I mean, it's a blend maybe in what part of the plant the leaves came off of, but not any further than that. I think, I think last time I was at my local gathering with uh, Mike Stewart and some of his buddies, um, one of our friends, Doug was talking about the McClellan releases and uh, talking about how they always, that they all tasted similar. It had to have been him. I don't know what other pipe smoker I would have been discussing this with. Huh, I don't know, but uh, that's that doesn't sound like the first uh, uh, the first time I've heard that. Maybe you've just told me in the past. I don't know. 
Probably. I tend to repeat myself. <laughs> uh, well, just ask my wife. <laughs> I'm sorry. Who do you want us to ask? Nah, never mind. It doesn't work if I if I prod Julius you Caesar. <laughs> Caesar. Bravo. Uh, oh, gosh. I am just melting in my room. Kip, I feel your pain. I left my little uh, electronic room heater on last week and didn't realize it, so it's been just pouring out heat into my room uh, all week long. Or two weeks. Oh, my gosh, two weeks. And so I bet it was 85 degrees in here today when I walked in. Oh, I uh, I am not used to this heat. I feel flushed. Man, oh man, it's crazy. I'm such a little whiner right now. Kip, you're probably thinking, yeah, it's 96 degrees and 75% humidity by me. Shut up. No, it's it's been nice most of this week, actually. Waking up in the morning. Oh, you, you, you don't ever come to our forum or anything. You'd see that it was 65 <laughs> degrees here one morning this week. Whoa! That was the coolest it's been since we've lived here, a year and a half almost. <gasps> it was amazing. 65 degrees and so much dew, the water was running down the streets. <laughs> well, it was raining. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> a single tear rolls down my cheek. <laughs> uh, well, hey, about this cigar, um, the striking thing to me about this cigar is that it is so... Um, I, I, I don't know. Um, I don't want to say it's typical or it's generic, but it has characteristics of everything in it. I can taste some Nicaragua. I can taste some Dominican Republic. I can taste some Honduras. So I feel that it's... Kip, stop smirking at me. You're throwing me off. You know what? This, I'm listening to you describe this. And I bet this is a blend. <laughs> <laughs> You're such a jerk. Um, it. I'm getting a like a, a lighter, just slightly tart chocolate flavor. Um, maybe like a. It's not really bitter. It's not a super dark chocolate, but it's not overly sweet either. Um, there was uh, definitely some kind of mild cedar flavors going on a little bit sooner. Those have died out a touch for me. Um, but I like that kind of tobacco and chocolate core. It's a nice, nice cigar. 75 degrees. Wow. It's beautiful by you. It's 75, um, but I don't know if you can read those little letters below. It says it feels like 86. No, I couldn't. Well, see, you feel my pain. It's a dry 85 in my basement. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't get, uh, I don't get much else that's a discerning flavor or characteristic. It's a tobacco core, definitely with some chocolate flavor on this thing. Not overly spicy at all. No, no not, not in the peppery kind of spice sense, but there is some of that baking spice kind of thing, but mainly on retro hell through the nose. I get that measurably. It's not significant and you know, it's not dominated or anything, but, it's there for me. Hmm. I'm digging it though. It's it's uh, it's clean, clean on the palate. Yeah, you know that's a really good point. It is very clean on the palate. Um, <laughs> early on, I jeez, oh, everything I say just makes you chuckle. No, no, you I was yourself. Putting, Zidman was putting up his temperature and it said minus three degrees. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's uh, you might not get very much sympathy from him. I'm guessing. <laughs> um, well, I 
I feel that this cigar is um, it has some lines similar to what did I say early on? Oh, the the Rocky Patel fifteenth. Um, that's mm-hmm. kind of uh, continued on. It 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 shares uh, some flavors there. Definitely, it hasn't transitioned away at all. So I'll be interested to see if that continues on or what. Yeah, and we kicked that off. We observed that it was reminiscent of the Caucus, which was a Georgetown tobacconist exclusive, also made by Rocky Patel. So we'll see. Yeah, they're real good, and we actually still have one of those, I think, in the queue to do as a show cigar one of these days. We do. That's right. Yeah. I I really like that for, I mean, something that is, is not nationally known. It's a house blend for a single tobacconist. It, it, it's a fantastic cigar. Yeah, that that's a story. My brother went down to the States, obviously, to Washington one time, and he came back with a few cigars for me, and three of them were those caucus, Georgetown caucus. Mm-hmm. And I would look at them, and they have a... A funky little label on the nothing fancy, and I looked at them and I'm like, oh, thank you. It's great, you know. The old uh, someone who doesn't smoke cigars or know anything about cigars buys you cigars. You're worried, and then I smoked one, and I was like, wow, what the heck is this? So I had to look it up. Uh, yeah, that's kind of where I was at. Who sent us those? Was it John, the guy in DC, Cigar Man for Life, maybe? I don't know. Oh, yeah, yeah, it might have been John. That's right. Um, sent him, it's probably a couple of years ago now, and I'd never heard of him, didn't know anything about him, and did the exact same thing. I smoked him. I was like, wow, man, I really like this, but I'd never in my life heard of the brand and just started you know, a little bit of Google foo and dug him up. Turns out they were a Rocky Patel product, which was amazing because I had not appreciated a Rocky Patel cigar in quite some time at that point, but. I really dig the, the, those caucus. Mm. Well, I, uh, I, geez, I need to update my show schedule, don't I? Let's uh, let's do that one with the next time that I uh, for the next one that's my cigar. Okay. Cool. Cool. Uh, well, uh, we can uh, bust into the what else we've been smoking lately. But before we do that, or I guess in tandem with that. Do you, uh, do you want to put Adam on the spot here to talk a little bit about his trip, maybe? Absolutely. Cool. Adam, you uh, you good for that, Ted? I, um, uh, I'm good to go whenever you want. Now, did you go down for the, the Partygus Festival, or did you just go down randomly knowing that it was that time of year? Well, I always try and go down November... December-ish, um, just in general, if I'm going to go to Cuba, it's it's a good time. Temperature's still r- nice and warm. It's yeah. out of the rainy season. And m- most of the time, I try to avoid the festival, but it was a week earlier this year than usual. Um, but I just happened to book. I was going down for vacation. That's all. I was going down to... You know, just hang out in Havana for a week because I've been to Veradero three times and then did day trips into Havana. And this time I wanted to do a whole week because I, I just loved it every time I went to Havana. So, hmm. 
too much time or was uh, was a week still awesome? Uh, two more days would have been perfection. <laughs> no joke. Wow. Really? Two, two more days. What, uh, what ended up happening is um, the Partagas Festival started on the Monday. I got there on the Sunday afternoon. And um, I knew it was going to happen, and I knew there was going to be a lot of people there. I didn't... I underestimated how many of those guys were going to be hanging around in the shops. Mm. I, I, I think it was more of a, I didn't think about it than I underestimated, I think, because everywhere I went, there was cigar guys in the shops. There was cigar guys that I'd see on the streets a little bit. There was just cigar guys everywhere. It was fantastic. <laughs> Don't do that when I'm drinking club soda, Kip. <laughs> I did nothing. He just put something in the chat room. Uh, now, did you? Did you? Um, you stayed in Old Havana, right? Just at a at a little casino, or did you stay at a a resort? Yeah. So, um, I don't know which way you want me to go with the story. If you want me to start from the beginning, or just kind of answer questions, um, it was. I, stay, I had booked a casa for a week, which is Spanish for house, as Kip knows, and pretty much everyone else that's not from <laughs> – Spanish is not our second language. So um, <laughs> I booked a casa for a week, and I was going to stay there and not in a hotel, and I will explain why in a little bit. <laughs> so that was, that was my plan, was to go down there. Um, I booked a flight. Didn't have any idea how I was going to get from Verdero Airport to Havana. Didn't book a taxi or a tour bus or anything like that. Had no wow. idea. Yeah, but that's kind of how I. <laughs> that kind of how it's it's how I roll with with my with my trips. So when do, I do, do stuff, you, I do, I like to just go. Do you speak any Spanish to navigate around, or do you find a fair number of English speakers in? Uh, in Havana? Well, that was the problem, is that I don't speak any Spanish, and I try to catch up on a few quick phrases and a few words here and there, but I could speak at least a little bit to get by. It would have made life a lot more easy, but they do have, especially at the airport, there's a lot of people that speak English because they know, like us Canadians have been coming down to Veradero for years. They get I think someone said, I was there in 2014, and I was talking with this Cuban guy, and he said something like 3 million Canadians a year just into Verdero. Whoa. Wow. Yeah. Now, now that's the airport. Like I did, uh, we, we, we hit the airport. There's a few of us that hit the airport and get toured into Havana because from where I am in Edmonton, our flight goes direct to Veradero versus we, if you want to go to Havana, you got to either go to Toronto, then down to Havana or to Mexico, then into Havana. And it was 33 hours from leaving here to getting to Havana. If you wanted to take those flights, oh. those were like, the, the, so those are most of the, most of the, the shorter times. There was one flight that only had one connection that was 17 hours. So you got in, you had like a 
10 hour layover type thing and then you went into to Havana and out I wasn't about that I was I'll take the flight direct to Veradero so now is Veradero a, a, a full-sized modern as modern as anything in Cuba uh, airport or no it's an international airport but it's a small international airport so you'll get you'll get the smaller the smaller commercial planes you know but mm. um, they they have a a big enough airport that it can handle a few few flights. It um, may be like a lot of the Caribbean nations are so small, there's no such thing as a domestic flight. Every flight's going to a different country. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah that's true. I mean, is it, I guess what I mean is that is it something where you can go there and if you don't get a taxi or if you're flying out and you miss your flight, I mean, are you waiting 24 hours to get another flight to Canada or... You know, is it is it somewhat regular? No, there's there's nothing around the airport. It's literally in the middle of a field, twenty minutes outside of Veradero. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, you're you're stuck at the airport if you're if you miss your flight, hmm. or you're taking a taxi into Veradero and staying at a cheap casa or whatever. <laughs> well, I guess. I guess the the next obvious question is is knowing that why did you feel it was a smart move to not figure out how you were going to get to where you were staying? Because I I, I knew I brought enough money on me that uh, cash on me that I knew I could exchange it at the airport and then if need be I could take a taxi. It's more expensive that way to take a taxi all the way from Veradero to Havana, but. Um, I was trying to look for a tour bus to get on with for like 10, 15, 20 bucks mm -hmm. that might take me there. Or in this case, I, when I booked my flight, I had, uh, one of the guys that's in a, a town that's close to me, that's that I'm friends with that comes into our city to smoke cigars at the herps and whatnot, found out he was going in the, at the same time as me. And then I looked it up and I found out he was on the same flight as me as well. So he was going to Havana for a week as well. Oh, jeez. Wow. And so I was thinking, you know, if I don't, he's got to get there. So maybe I can catch a ride with him, whether it be taxi or, or the uh, tour bus, whatever they take, because he was going to a hotel and it was part of his package, the transfer. Mm. So well, I was thinking maybe I'd get lucky. Yeah. If you find yourself stranded in Santiago, so. I'm like 10 minutes from this airport. So I'll come <laughs> get you. I'll also give you a tip if you're traveling here. Uh, unless it's a dire emergency, don't exchange your money at the airport. Yeah, I've heard that yeah. before. Just, the airport here, yeah, you, you get like a 35 or 37 pesos to the dollar, whereas you can go to the Casa de Cambio in town and exchange for 46, which is the the going rate, the trade. Wow. That's quite a difference. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. At the airport, it was an extra three cents difference than in Havana. So. Oh, that's not bad at all. Mm, no, it still sucks. I mean, it, it, our dollar value is like, I left two days after the election happened and I was thinking, Hey, Maybe I'll get lucky, and and this Trump thing will bring the American value dollar value down. And 
<laughs> and raise the Canadian value up a bit, but no. No, no such luck. Yeah. So. Well, so you obviously got to Havana. Uh, I'm assuming without much, uh, much problem there. Yeah, that was an interesting story. So I got on with a tour bus. They said, yeah, yeah, we'll take you to Havana for 25 bucks. I'm like, sweet, okay. That, that's better than the $100 taxi ride that it would have oh, sure. cost me. So I was like, okay. So just before we were leaving, all the other tour buses had left. Pretty much all the taxis had cleared out. There was a few stragglers there. And they tell me, oh, we're not going all the way to Havana. We're going to the Havana Resort which is 20 minutes outside of Havana. Uh, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, are you kidding me? He's like, but we can, but there'll be taxis there and you can take a taxi into Havana from there. I'm like, okay, sure I will. <laughs> you know, so. Yeah, my, I, my uh, brother, my brother drives a taxi. <laughs> oh, yeah, everybody yeah, has exactly. a car that, that can be a taxi there. So, um, so yeah, I took the, the ride there and it took like three hours to get to this last resort because they were dropping people off and stopping at roadside turnouts for, you know, refreshments and whatnot. And I took a taxi on the way back from Havana to Veradero Airport, and it was an hour and 45 minutes from old Havana where I stayed to the airport. So the three-hour bus ride to the resort, last resort, then I had to take a 20-minute taxi in. So that tells you how much stopping and waiting I had to do. Wow. <laughs> so that was killing me, right? I just want to get there. Just want to get there. But so then I, I got off the bus and they helped me find a, a guy that was an actual taxi driver and took a taxi in. The bus cost me 15 bucks. Taxi cost me 20 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not surprised. Wait, wait, wait. The bus cost you 15? I thought it was 25. Well, because they weren't going all the way to Havana. Oh, 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 I'm sorry. Now I understand. I'm like, you guys aren't going all the way. Like, the the price is going to change, right? And he's like, well, yeah. And I'm like, well, so how much do you want? And I had like 25 bucks in my hand. And then he, and he's like, okay, that's fine. So. <laughs> they, Thanks for doing that. Right yeah. Negotiation is, is a big part of everything. <laughs> Oh gosh, yeah, I can imagine. Yep. Hmm. So, so old Havana. Yep. So I got in that night, and the plan was for myself and uh, the person that I was going with, well, going on the same plane with, um, to go out for supper that night at El Aljibe. Oh, restaurant. So we were going to meet there at seven originally. And our flight landed at was supposed to land at 3:20. We actually got in early, like 3:10, and we were through customs and everything by 3:40. So uh, I made I finally made it to my casa at like 10, 10 to seven, and I'm like, oh, I'm gonna be so late for this dinner. <laughs> and we were meeting at five and sixteen, this cigar shop five and sixteen, where I don't know. Uh, okay. um, Carlos Urbana is the shop he's he's in oh. the shop there um i can't remember the name of the shop it's got a name as well they all have their own names um it's on five and 16 in miramar so, carlos robena uh yeah tell, 
Tell me who Carlos Robana is. He's he's Alejandro's brother or no son. Oh, uh, so so Hirochi's father is that it or another? I can't remember exactly if he's. I think he's Hiroshi's uncle. Be his father. I. I. It's been a couple of years since I read the, about that, and I can't remember which way it goes. But. But the cigar shop was closed when I got there. Oh. So, yeah, and the, which I was, I was fearful of because we. I didn't bring any cigars down with me to smoke. So. Um, <laughs> you were <crap>. nervous. <laughs> And uh, so then from there, we just walked to LL Hebe. And then they have a, sh a cigar shop right there at the restaurant. An actual, like, decent cigar shop. So, oh, wow. Up there, <laughs> which was good. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that was a score. Ugh. Well, now, now, um, uh, yeah, what was I just going to say? Oh, did the shop ever open up or no? Five and sixteen, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it just closed because oh, okay. it was Sunday night. So some of them close earlier than others. Um, some of them open up earlier than others. I found out too. So mm. all okay. learning experience. So did you? Did you buy? Uh, well, you probably ordered customs and such, right? Or did you just go down there on the luck with luck of the draw, hoping to find something? No, oh, no, I had my order in before I five five weeks before I went down. Okay, yeah, I, was I wanted to make sure that. I had. I wanted to make sure I had certain boxes, and then also my my customs were were going to be rolled because um, the person that I get to roll that I I have really enjoyed is the Las Cajita Customs, which is Alex Gonzalez at the Hotel Commodoro. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've sent you a couple of those sticks, the Cononazo and the Lonsdale. You have. Um, they're spectacular. Yeah, they're very buttery, creamy cigar, um, very low end of medium, which is, that's, that's what I was looking for. So I ordered some more stuff. And he was extremely busy this year. He was the hot commodity of, of mm. all the cigar rollers by far. So him in the last couple years because um, he just started rolling three and a half years ago. I think it was three oh and a half, gosh. maybe four years ago at the Commodoro. He could, because that's where Santos was from. Yeah. Out of. So when uh, Santos retired, Alex took that position and hmm. he's done well. He's done really well. Well, so, yeah. He's, uh, he's got spectacular cigars. Just a really unique blend. Really unique blend. I, I really dig it. Yeah. So, and what I... So, I had one thing in mind, and, the, and this was the definition of my trip, was I have no plans. Hmm. Whenever anybody wanted to do something or asked me, hey, do you want to do this? I said yes. Because I had no restrictions on my time. I had nothing that I was scheduled for. And it was, to be honest with you, it was the best trip I've ever been on because of that. Hmm. There's, you know, I've been on the, the 
the cigar tour trips, and they're fantastic for knowledge and, and everything, and they're scheduled. Colin does a really good job with that, with the scheduling, and we don't have to worry about anything as far as the, the people that are on the tour. We just go, and he has things scheduled for us, and it's fun and entertaining and knowledgeable, but this was the opposite end. This was just see what happens, and it and it worked out really well in so many so many different occasions. So, hmm. now, <clears throat> um, when you were when you I don't want to say when you were planning the trip because you just got through saying you weren't, but when you were considering how this was all going to go together, did you know? what was going on? I mean, you almost alluded to the fact that you didn't even realize that, that an acquaintance was going to be going down there when you were going down there. Were you aware that, that the Partigas festival was moved up? Were you, I mean, obviously you knew you were going to be placing orders for custom cigars, but um, did you kind of say, Oh, well, you know, this day I'm going to head in that direction and see where it takes me. Or did you literally get up in the morning and just say, Oh, today I'm going to go pick my cigars up. Um, Sort of. I knew that they would hold the cigars for me. Um, I Because I had been to the Commodoro before, and um, what I did was in 2014, when I took the trip with the wife and kids, I somehow managed to convince my wife that I was going to go into Fana by myself on a day trip. <laughs> okay. So don't ask me how how I got away with that one. I was amazed when she said, "Oh, kind of begrudgingly said okay," but um, I left them and took the Via Zul bus. There's a bus running from Veradero to Havana, and it starts. There's three different time slots that it starts at, but I was there at eight o'clock for the first bus ride, and it's a three-hour bus ride in Havana. Havana. The very first thing I did when I got into Old Havana was um, I got off the bus where they drop you off in Old Havana, put my headphones on so I wouldn't get bugged by all the mob of taxi drivers that stand by the bus as tourists get off, put my headphones on, walked straight for the Hotel Conde de Villanueva because I knew the cigar shop there, that's where Ronaldo's cigars are. So I went there. I got my, my custom rolls that I had ordered in 2014 from there. Picked those up, grabbed a few singles to smoke from the rest of my trip, and then took a taxi directly over to the Commodoro and sat with them for most of the afternoon and then took a taxi to the bus and went back. So I had I'd conversed with, with Alex and Kathy and Andre at the Commodoro. The, in 2014 quite a bit for four hours. I knew them, and when I talked with them again to order my stuff, I knew that they would save it for me and not have to worry about anything. I didn't have to, I knew I didn't have to rush the next morning out to the Commodoro yeah. to get my stuff. So. Hmm. Now, did you smoke primarily just the custom-ordered stuff, or did you go for... Did you, you know, obviously at some of these gatherings, I'm sure that you shared cigars with people or tried something new or different or some of the newer releases. Did uh, anything stand out or that you kind of uh, pushed you in a different direction to pick something up you weren't expecting? 
I, I bought, ended up buying a box of Juan Lopez number ones because that was, uh, uh, in general, that was one of the better cigars that I smoked for for my preference right now that I wanted to buy a non-expensive box of. Um, I keep on going down and getting, finding stuff that I like that's, you know, relatively expensive that I want to age for a little while. And this, that was the one that I wanted to buy for. I'm, it's young, but now. I, I'm yeah. really enjoying them now. And the other one that I found that I was, I thought was extremely good right now, young, was the Punch Punch. And Ooh. I was very impressed with that Punch Punch. It was it was rich, it was young, but it didn't have like I was I was expecting a little bit more youth and ammonia, and it was just it was really good. Same with the Juan Lopez. So the number one, the it's the selection number one, right? The Juan Lopez. That's right. The Corona That's Gorda. A Corona Gorda. Yeah. Okay. That's what I was thinking. Is that only a cab, or can you find boxes of twenty five still? No, they're twenty fives as well as cabs, but I. I bought the 25s. I didn't see any cabs of 50. I, to be honest with you, I'm not sure if you can get the, the ones in the cabs. I know you can get the twos. They had mm-hmm. twos in a couple shops, but I was I was more interested in the Corona Gorda. Mm-hmm. So, well, yeah. Um, but yeah, I there was no never any rush when I woke up in the morning as to what I was doing or at night where I was going. It was just kind of where I end up is where I end up. So. That's awesome. Any yeah. uh, good parties, cool stories, interesting people you met that you didn't expect? So the person I, I went down with there, I'm, I'm going to say uh, the person I went down with because it's just easier. I mean, like I said, we didn't plan to go down together. We just hung out quite a bit. We ended up, ended up hanging out a lot when I was down there, and it was pretty cool. He's uh, an older gentleman that has been around cigars for a few years. He really experienced, been to Havana probably about 20 times, been down to the States for all kinds of cigar meetups and herfs. Oh, I don't know, a countless number of times all over the place. So on the Monday night, um, I ended up getting invited by him through the guys that he was going to the dinner with, the Amy Cigar Dinner was Monday night, and he was part of that, and he got me invited because I was with him. And and so I went with that. No expectations. Didn't even know that they were having this party and uh, had the, an amazing time. It was fantastic. So many, and it was all Americans. So this trip was, I think... Out of all the people I saw, probably a third to maybe almost maybe a half of the people that I saw in Havana and in the cigar shops were Americans. Wow. That's crazy. If I had to guess, of all the different people I saw, I probably saw about 120 Americans down there. And I, and like I said, I didn't go to any of the dinners or the events other than the Emmy Cigar Dinner. So... It was it was crazy, so it was there was a lot of Americans. <laughs> you know, it's uh, I heard some statistics that 
um, what was it in 2010? I think they were from something like a hundred thousand Americans visited Cuba. Um, and then last year, uh, the first full year, full calendar year, since some of these things have been into effect, um, it was, it was something like 500,000. It had just absolutely started going crazy and it's not even legal to go yet. It's just easier to go. So man, that's, uh, I think that's just going to keep changing. Yeah. Yeah. It was the, 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 uh, the most common theme and question that was asked that I heard everywhere, cigar shops, the dinner, um, everywhere was, do you know how many we're allowed to bring back? Because huh. <laughs> nobody really knew for certain and nobody knew what the limit through Mexico was. Right. Yet, obviously, all these guys are going through Mexico, doing the transfer through Mexico, yeah. and they had to do the, uh, the, the changeover in Mexico, and nobody knew that things were happening, right? So they're all um, like, oh, Mexico has high taxes. Like, do they allow you only 25 or 50? And if they're over 50, how much is it going to cost? And is it going to be hard to get out of Cuba with uh, more than 50 custom rolls. <laughs> I think the uh, uh, on the U.S. end of it, I think the limit is 100 cigars or $800 before you have to declare and pay duties. What we were told, uh, well, not we, but that's what everybody was saying, and then other people were saying, well, yeah, but what about the custom rolls? Because $800, I mean, you can claim those peso cigars and blah, 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 so... <laughs> <laughs> they weren't also sure if there was a limit on the number in through Mexico as well. So, well, limits are flexible. Was, yeah. Yeah. You know that very well, don't you? Yeah. The, the <laughs> limit flying into this country for residents is 25 cigars. And I've personally toted hundreds of cigars at a time into this country, but technically I'm not, legally a resident, so I didn't think that applied to me. Now, Kip, were you the one who told me that you had a carry-on that once got flagged because it came up as having too much biologicals in it? More than once. that happened. Every time that's happened has been in the U.S., the scanner will pop up and say it's, it's too big a mass of organic material, and they pull everything out and look through it. And that happened most recently this summer <laughs> coming back from IPCPR. Every stop, every freaking airport had to dig through my carry-ons. Mm. Yeah, so it was it was fun dealing with them. And I just literally sat back and just listened to them all converse and try and figure it out. And, and I'm like, I don't know, I have my own problems. <laughs> the limits are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's... Uh... So it's a lot harder when your own personal customs is in your bedroom with you when you unpack. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Our, our custom, and then, and then informing all the Americans of what they would pay in taxes if they were to bring back as much as I'd, you know, if they were going into Canada, so cigars in Canada and, just the shocked look on everybody's face was funny. <laughs> I remember 
back in the day when I was really into pipe tobacco, I traded regularly with guys in the UK and because their taxes are just insane. And English pipe tobacco processed and manufactured in England and exported to the U.S. could be ordered from the U.S. and shipped there covertly at a tiny fraction of the price of what they would have to pay for that same English tobacco in their local store. Funny how that works. Kind of like you being able yeah. to get the, uh, the the Quesada Espanas for five dollars. I still don't know how that works with the Zona Francas. Mm-hmm. I'm not asking any questions. No, I wouldn't either. Yeah, the last thing you need is for that well to dry up. Yeah. So, hey Zed, one of the questions that's kind of popping up in the chat room here is a little bit more about um, the dollars and cents side of things. Um, how are costs in 2016 compared to 14? Well, so 2013, I also went down to Cuba um, on a free trip. My mom actually won a trip to Cuba, Veradero, through Facebook. You know those ads on Facebook for travels? Well, she answered one of those ads one time, and she won a trip. For two to Veradero. Wow. And we got to pick up, pick one of three resorts and a date and then uh, go when uh, when we wanted, basically. So wow. she brought me along because she knew I loved Cuba and quite impressed with that. So I got extremely lucky with that. And uh, I went down with her and then I made it. I told her before we left, we're going to go to Havana for a day trip and stay overnight. And I'm going to pay for the hotel room. No matter what we're doing, I'll pay for everything when we're down there because you take me on this free trip. So we got off the bus and did the same thing, the Viazul bus from Veradero to Havana, got off the bus, and I had the Cigar Aficionado magazine of Havana Insider with the, the front cover is the Saratoga Lounge. I brought that with me, and I had studied the crap out of that thing before we went down. And I knew where the Conde de Vinueva was. And when we got off the bus, around that area, there was the Ambos Mundo, Hotel Ambos Mundos, yeah. the Park Central, the Saratoga, the Conde de Vinueva. And we just started walking with the ba- our bags towards the Conde de Vinueva. And um, I walked up to the front door. And I asked them, you know, like, is there any rooms for tonight? Just one night? And they're like, yeah, we only have one room left. Wow. Found out. So I was like, oh, that's extremely lucky. So um, did either of you do the uh, Nicaragua trip with cigar tourism? Yeah, I did the first one. I did not. Okay. Did, uh, did, you, did you go to Le- Leon with Colin? No, he did not go to Leon the first time. We, okay. uh, I don't remember where we went, but we did not go was, to the coast. So there was where we stayed in Leon was a lot like the Conde de Vinueva. It's it's a building and it's a big square building with uh, a courtyard in in the middle that's open air. Um, you walk upstairs and there's a balcony section that wraps around that courtyard. And then your rooms all face onto that balcony, the door, the walkway. Um, the doors face onto the, that walkway. 
and then the outside of the building is where the balcony doors open up to and that's towards the street we stayed there overnight and it was $165 a night in 2013 wow. which is expensive but like I said I was on a free trip I knew I was gonna spend money I didn't care so yeah. otherwise I never would have stayed there I mean that's that's ridiculous but this time where I stayed in my casa was only a block and a half away from the Conde de Villanueva, and I did that on purpose. I knew where I was staying, and I looked for casas in that area because I knew I was going to spend all my time there. So I went back there, and the first day I walked up, and there's a sign on the desk that, that posts a picture, and I, and I post a picture on the forums of it, I think. They're now charging for that same room $385 a night, in the off season and $445 a night during the high season. <laughs> oh my goodness gracious. That's, that's how much prices have increased. Holy cow. So you think the American uh, tourist has had an impact down there? Good gracious. Wow. Exactly. So, wow. There, and that's, that's what I've been telling a lot of people is that it, it's, it's hard because they're they're pricing they're increasing their prices expecting all this extra tourism to come in from America all the big bucks to come in and i think what they're going to find out is they're going to get the first timers get the repeat because the infrastructure is nothing like mexico or dominican or jamaica you can go to a resort in those other places and and pay you know, twelve hundred dollars, thirteen, fourteen hundred dollars for a week versus four hundred dollars a night in Havana. You know, like I, I was hearing stories of the, I think it was the Park Central, in the fours and five hundred dollar night, and the National, there was, you know, the rooms are four up to like a thousand dollars. You know, the Central, or I'm sorry, the National is has always been expensive. I mean. Heck, everything's expensive there. You get a taxi from there, and it's oh, okay. Double the cost because you're coming from the Nacional. Yeah. No, they, they. I don't know about that. I never took a taxi from there, so I, I can't verify that. But I know that everything is a little bit more expensive in that kind of area. Yeah. So yeah. I'm, I imagine with you know some period of time, if there's if the people come down and. Okay, it's not what I thought it was. The people being American people, and realize it's not what they thought, or it's far more expensive than they thought, and that business tapers off. I would think the prices will kind of level back out at some reasonable amount. Yeah. Wow. So, all right, like, the freak uh, in the chat room just said that the Nacional he stayed was 130 a night. Wow. That was a couple years ago correctly he went in the last time i remember was 2014 when i talked to him about it so because he's been a, he's been a couple times as well he's been a few times um we almost met up the one time we tried to meet up and our, our time never never co coalesced because he's seven years he's been going cool seven years ago oh that oh. was 130 a night wow seven years ago wow yeah so, right. yeah, so prices have gone up. Like, we uh, you used to be able to go to uh, La Bodega de, 
Del Medio. Um, go there and get a, a drink, you know, one of the, for like four bucks, and now they're like six bucks. So, well, what about prices are increasing? What about food? I mean, I I know that uh, Havana has always had a bad reputation in terms of food, but the last five years or so, there's been so much transition there. Um, I know you had posted something about uh, a meal that you had had being spectacular. Um, did you get to Abel Esposito's Casa de Abel? I think that's what his restaurant so, is called. So uh, the what I've heard from Cubans um, being in Verdero and talking to them is there's three different levels of food. I don't know if this is true or not because it was only – told me by one person that was kind of a, a passing conversation, but he told me that there's three levels of food. There's there's the, the people, they get food, and they have a quality of food, a level of quality. There's uh, hotels in Havana and all the restaurants like the Paladars and whatnot. They get a certain level of food quality, and then the resorts in Baradero get like the lowest and the the resorts in Havana get like the lowest end of your food quality. Hmm. And I think the majority of people talking about food in Cuba are either going to Veradero and going to the resorts or not eating at the right places, to be honest with you, in Havana. Because I've been hmm. to resorts. I've, been, I've eaten at four different resorts in Veradero, and one of them was good. One of them was okay, and two of them were pretty crappy. So, mm. and by good, I mean our that would be a, a, a restaurant, a, an okay restaurant in town here. So, mm. food is not what you go for in in Veradero, in Havana. Man, the food is excellent there. From everywhere I ate, um, it. And that was that was one of my main ideas going down when I was thought I was going down alone was to go to a, a bunch of restaurants, the nicer restaurants, and eat at the good ones and that are you know have a little bit of reputation because I wanted to see what they they're making and whatnot. But what ended up happening was I ended up spending so much time in the cigar shops and conversing with other people that. I didn't really get to any of the restaurants because I got busy trying to find, like I got busy walking around a lot and just not being as hungry as um, I was expecting. So I'd stop in at a little tiny hole in the wall that Cubans were eating at and I'd grab food from there. So, and that became... That became my theme after the second day was to find places where Cubans were eating and eat cheaper food and see if it was any good. And oh, it, yeah. it turned out and it worked out fantastic. They have so even even the stuff that the Cubans were eating in general was pretty damn good. So I mean it was it was better than I was expecting. I was expecting to go down and eat the some Cuban food and, you know, have 
eat a couple bites and then go somewhere else and try something else because I couldn't. Yeah, that wasn't yeah. the case at all. That's kind of been my experience here. There are some good restaurants in Santiago, and the pricing is very reasonable. And you know, it's half to two thirds what I would have paid for the same thing in the states. And there's street food, which can can be really good, or it can be really bad, or it can leave you with a stomach bug for a few days. <laughs> My favorite food without even a close second here is in the compo or just with people in their houses and stuff. Just what people are making at home is just simple food, but man alive, you just can't beat it. Rice and beans. Give me rice and beans. and yeah. I, I'm good with chicken, which as you most likely know in, in the Dominican is chicken is the main thing. You don't get beef. Yeah, absolutely. And the, the, here, I don't know why, but it seems that uh, the native people here prefer not to have much fat on their beef. <laughs> it makes it tough and chewy and flavorless most of the time. We have not found good beef here outside of a couple of restaurants that have it imported. But it, it, yeah, so chicken and pork yeah. is pretty much the limit. Yeah, pork as and, well. And goat. There's a lot of goat here. Yeah, when no. I went down, sorry, when I went down in uh, 2013 and stayed overnight, beside the Casa Conde de Villanueva, there's a restaurant called La Imprenta, and it's actually a somewhat known restaurant, um, and that was the first time, you know, as a Canadian and being a free country, that was the first time I'd ever sat down, had a meal, and a cigar in the middle of a restaurant at the same time, you know, like there, you can still do that here. You can do it in a lot of places, but it's, even if it's not prohibited and you got to know the surroundings, some places don't appreciate it, but it's not rare to have a restaurant that has ashtrays available. Yeah. At LL Hebe, they had, we were smoking cigars the first night as well, you know, right at the table. There was other people smoking cigars. It's just, you know, you go down to a, a that, and honestly, you feel, in some respects, you feel way more free to exercise your rights as an adult and do things that you actually want to do without being criticized, you know. It's... Around here, like even walking around with a cigar in the streets is you're getting the oh, <laughs> and dirty looks, you know. You know, I have to say, I uh, <clears throat> I remember some photos that were put on our forum. I think it was Ian. Um, he was at a parade with his family, and he was smoking a cigar at a family parade. You know, obviously, parades outside. It's it's something that's meant to be enjoyed, the, the camaraderie of people, and everyone's in, in good spirits. And I have to say, my reaction to those photos was, oh, my gosh, he smoked a cigar in the middle of a parade route when things were going by and he was surrounded by other people? I can't yeah. believe that he did that or that he could do that. It's just we are so kind of browbeat into this idea. Of, I mean, it's the Bob McDuffie mentality of – or uh, not mentality, the Bob McDuffie idea that, we're trying to have it beat into us that this is such a horrible thing that we're going to uh, eventually 
um, kind of program ourselves out of it, and it's working. Yeah. Unfortunately. I, I mean, completely unfortunately. Now, if you were to, yeah. uh, if you were to, you know, not to force this upon you, but if you were to uh, uh, say two or three of the best cigars you had um, last week, what uh, what would they be? Um, pro- there was the Alex custom rolls, like because I spent a lot of time in the Commodoro and at the Conde de Vinueva where Ronaldo rolls. I smoked a lot of their custom rolls, and Yolanda's stuff was at the Malia, which I spent a lot of time at as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alex's stuff is still my wheelhouse. Very flavorful without being overpowering. Ronaldo's stuff has a lot of spice and a lot of power up front. It backs off after the half inch or an inch in. It starts to back off and it rounds out and it, it becomes a lot better. But um, yeah, Alex's stuff is still just, it, it's right there, right? Um, and all the guys at the Ami Cigar Party, I think, I think like most of them had already ordered cigars from Alex and huh. he was that's why I was saying he was the hot commodity. So it was pretty pretty interesting. I, I walked in there and in behind the counter, just bags and bags and bags of cigars behind the counter for all the people that were coming in. And it was oh, all the sure. Americans. We'd sit there at the Commodore, the Americans would come in and they'd all grab the cigars from behind the counter <laughs> and walk out. Hmm. Just tons of custom rolls. So um yeah, that, and uh, I think, like I said, that punch punch really surprised me at how good it was at the age that they were. So, but I didn't I didn't smoke anything like too rare and the Mag Fifty Six because I, I I had bought a box before but I'm, I hadn't opened it and I'd been looking to get singles this time going down. Uh. So that I didn't have to open the box and let it sit for a few more years, at least. So I bought some singles, and I will tell you that Mag 56 is the Upman Mag 56 EL from last year. Giant cigar. There's no question about it. It is a 56 ring gauge. Many people are unhappy about the size, but the cigar is rich and has characteristics out yin yang i don't know it's just so if if i was like if i'm if i'm gonna recommend a cigar definitely that mag 56 is something to look for if people are interested it's expensive though but oh sure well and you have to be able to tolerate up man well yeah and that's that's what i smoke right so no i'm I'm an up and whore (laughs) well that's awesome i'm uh i I'm envious of your trip. I have loved living vicariously through your, uh, your photos that I've seen. Um, I was really happy to hear that you were at the, the, uh, Amy cigar, uh, party. I, I know, I knew a lot of people there. I'm glad that you had a great time and that you, uh, yeah. Enjoyed that camaraderie. That's a good group of people. Definitely. Those guys were awesome. Gino, the, uh, the lone Italian, I believe. Oh yeah. 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 He was there. AJ Patel was there as well. Um, yeah, there was a bunch of guys. Nakamura from Japan. He was he was hilarious. Yeah. That was fun meeting him as well. Um, the the one thing that I 
did like there was two things that I really wanted me that um, I wanted to do was I brought some baseball gloves and some baseballs brought five five baseball gloves with me and, and a whole pile of and there was a Cuban guy that was helping the, all the Americans at the Amy cigar party I gave them to him because he knew of all the people that that would need them and uh, I was really happy that I got to go down and give those to people that actually need them where they were needed but the other thing was I brought two cigars with me what one was the um, Alex's 2014 and Ronaldo's Cononazzo from 2014 and the reason I brought those was I know those guys don't have anything aging and they don't even have a concept of it hmm. they will not age their cigars Ronaldo when I handed it to him his, he looked at me with this puzzled look on his face and, and said to me, why? And I'm like, well, because this is from 2014. I just want to give it to you and let you know what your cigars taste like with two years age, right? He's like, but it's got five years tobacco in it. Like all the tobaccos age five years. I said, don't just, just smoke it. And so I came back the next day and, and he, was, he was happy. He's like, yeah, that, that was really good. So Alex was the same way. You know, they just, as cigar rollers, they're always smoking their stuff and fresh. So I just wanted them to have the, uh, the experience of their stuff without that ammonia. Because as we all know, no matter how old the tobacco is, when you roll it together, it's always going to have a little bit more fermentation happen within the cigar itself. And it, and oh, it sure. does make a difference. So... It was it was funny watching their faces and expressions when I handed them the cigars. <laughs> well, that's that's awesome. You know, the next thing you got to do, uh, your next trip, I'm already giving you an assignment, um, uh, is I think you need to find somewhere where you can pick up peso cigars or or any of the the home rolled cigars that are there that aren't necessarily the same premium cigars that you're going to find at a cigar store or a factory find a cigar that the cubans are smoking figure out smoke one or two while you're there and then figure out a way to hold on to some and then put some age on those a year or two let them settle down and i'd be really interested to hear your thoughts on that i yeah the relobas 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 yeah they're they're the gift no they're the uh peso cigars I think that I'm pretty sure they, they come right out of the factories and whatnot, and you can get them for like 25 for like a buck American type thing. Mm. And they're like short filler type cigars. Well, everybody uh, was talking about those. I would, uh, I would challenge you to get those, try some of those because I've always, you know, and this is kind of one of those colloquial things amongst Cuban cigar fans that the Cuban or the Spaniard, uh, taste preferences for that unaged, richer, tobacco-centric um, kind of thing. Uh, gosh, Kip, help me out. Um, the Nicaraguan um, manufacturer that I don't love their cigars. They're too much. Uh, Casa Fernandez. Casa Fernandez. <laughs> yes, the Aganorsa tobacco from Casa Fernandez, that it's just much more that style where you're going to have a more straightforward, um, tobacco-centric, harder-flavored cigar. I would be very interested to hear you 
your thoughts when you smoke that to kind of get a little bit of a different picture as to what the Cuban profile, uh, that tendency is, and then kind of think a little bit more about these premium cigars that we're getting and the fact that we're taking what they're probably already viewing as a suave premium cigar and aging it even more. It, uh, it'd be interesting to just consider. So, well, thank you very much for sharing all that for kind of taking us there with you. Um, you've got a lot of photos, a lot of good information up at the, the half ash forum. Anybody who's, who's, uh, just intrigued more, um, or looking for a pictorial part of this tour, head to halfash.com, click the forum tab at the top, uh, check it out. I, uh, I know I, I have been very interested following along when you were there. So now I'll be very interested to hear your wrap ups. So thanks my man. This is awesome. Yeah, no problem. Like I, like I said, at the end of my post, um, because uh, I'm, I'm on a Canadian cigar forum as well, so uh, I know you want to wrap up, Kip, sorry. Um, I posted a lot of pictures, and um, I wanted to post them to kind of show people what goes on and what I did, and just a bunch of cool pictures, but the majority of the reason that I'm posting a lot is because I want to try to entice people to go as much as possible, because... If you're listening to a podcast like this, we're cigar people, and that is, other than going to obviously SLE or Santiago on a trip, it really is cigar mecca, and there's nothing like being in a place where you can get any cigars you want all the time and just sit down and smoke and meet up with all kinds of cigar people all the time. It's just so fun, and it makes... It makes the experience so much more enjoyable when you're with other people that are of the same ilk. And I try and get people to go down as much as possible. That's awesome. Here, here. I don't think I could agree with that anymore. But, uh, gosh, if you're an American and you want to be thankful about something, be thankful about the fact that this is so much easier to do now. Yeah. I, uh, I think I totally agree with you. It's one of those experiences we all have to have, I think. Yeah. Very cool. Well, not that uh, not that our sorry lot can live up to a story or a series of stories like that, but uh, do we try to take the podcast into a different direction here and make fools of ourselves? Guess what we think this unbanded is, Kip? We can. I don't know that I have anything more specific than what we've already said, other than it's it remained uh, reminiscent of that caucus to me, uh, like it was maybe even some some Rocky Patel product, although one that I have to say I enjoyed more than, uh, again, still in my head, when I drifted away from Rocky Patel, it was for a reason, and, and I just haven't been into that his brand of cigars in uh, quite some time, but I, I actually enjoyed this cigar. And I, I don't have anything more specific than that. I mean, I don't think it, it doesn't strike me as what we would typically call, I mean, it's, it's not as bold, maybe, as a lot of Nicaraguan puros. It's not as nutty or, or uh, less brash as a Dominican cigar. I, I don't. I don't even know that I could pinpoint any nationality I wanted to stick my neck out for. No, I'm. I'm in uh, <clears throat> very close agreement with you on that. I don't have a lot of. Um... I don't have a lot of solid thoughts. This doesn't really push me in any direction different from what I've already said. Um, I did light up the second 
of these unbandits during the show. I'm halfway through that. Um, and this one is much, uh, maybe sharp isn't the right word. Cause that gives the connotation of, of, uh, a little bit more strength. It's not a strong cigar at all, but there's, uh, that crispness that I talk about the citrus flavor that's here. And that was in the other one, um, is much more pronounced here. There's a little bit of a variation in flavor. Um, uh, still a good cigar. The chocolate or the cocoa flavor is there. Maybe that's kind of where that is got a little bit more interplay with the the um, citrus. That kind of uh, uh, bitterness from the cocoa is making the citrus stand out a little more because it's there. Yeah, uh, I, and a little I, bit more. I kind of had the that cocoa kind of flavor, that dry cocoa, less less so than finished chocolate. Certainly not dark chocolate, but it was a little. Uh, brighter, a little airier, maybe than what I would typically say. Oh, this is this is a cocoa flavor. The first one that I had was much more in line with chocolate. This one is much more in line with that aroma of cocoa powder. Um, where it's just it it has that that essence of uh, kind of a chocolatey. I don't know. Just an aroma is a really great way of putting it. It's much more of a cocoa aroma than a chocolate flavor here. Um, so, you know, Hey, if I'm going to be, if I'm going to be a little, uh, honest, I, I think one of the reasons why I wasn't always the biggest fan of Rocky Patel's was some inconsistency. So am I seeing inconsistency amongst two cigars of the same ilk or, or you said ilk earlier. Now it got me thinking that, uh, of the same, uh, uh, brand I, or, you know, um, <clears throat> am I just going to kind of <laughs> be mean to him unnecessarily because I don't love the, the Rocky Patel brand. I don't know, but um, I don't think I uh, will have any other guests other than the Rocky 15th, but um, that really is just because uh, I'm forcing myself to make a guess. So, and here we go. It's not the 15th. <laughs> <laughs> I know DC and it's not the 15th. All right. This is... Is empty, and I am unwrapping. Oh, interesting! This is a Henry Clay. <laughs> the wrapper is a broadleaf Maduro. The binder and filler are Dominican, and the origin is also Dominican. So, very, very interesting. This is says DC says in the chat room. He did this to you on Dog Watch with the same cigar. No joke. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I remember that. Well, I do not. So uh, there's the there's the little write up on this, and he's got a side note here about uh, Pete Pete Johnson liking the Henry Clay's. Um, even came out with his version of the tattoo line in a Henry Clay uh-huh. partnership. He has his Casita Criollo, which is a bit of a shout out to that cigar. He says so. Um, well, there you go. That uh, Zedman, you brought up that Casita Criollo. Maybe we uh, maybe we should say you guessed this since you said that name earlier regarding Broadleaf. How's that? No, I I, no, 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 I was thinking credit. that that's what we do here. Oh, what a goal! <laughs> um, I was actually thinking the Henry Clay earlier, but I wasn't going to say anything. Oh, really? Now, why would you think Henry Clay? Yeah, because. I used to talk with DC a lot, and he he really likes that brand. And I remember that he did that to you back on Dog Watch as well. 
and it that's why it wouldn't have surprised me so I uh, I'm not yeah I, I just didn't want to say anything before it was over Oh well, you're totally allowed to screw with us. I mean, for Pete's sake, the cigar's called half, or the cigar, the show's called half ashed. We barely take anything serious. In fact, I don't even think Kip is his—that's his real name. He hasn't been yeah. serious for 146 episodes. Yeah, or 156. Yeah, I doubt that. Well, DC, thank you as always, man. This uh, this was good. It was very good, and. Uh, Knowing that the, the Henry Clays are certainly in the uh, the lower end market, this is another one that I need to chalk up to you, expanding my palate while uh, increasing the size of my wallet. I hey, I love that. Were the uh, blend components on that paper? Not strict details. There were comments about country of origin and that uh, it's a broadleaf Maduro wrapper. So hmm. just Dominican binder and filler, and that it's from Altadis in uh, the Dominican. <clears throat> the size is a 5.6 by 46 uh, Brava a la Conserva. Hmm. Conserva. So, pretty good. Yeah. I'd, uh, I'd smoke this cigar again. I hope that on Dog Watch I said I liked it. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah, I can't remember. Yeah, I don't remember either. And you know what? You can't get the old Dog Watch episodes anymore. They're gone. They are indeed. And I keep oh. saying that I'll look up look it up on my uh, desktop because I I knew I had probably about three hundred of them on the desktop. So wow, I don't know if I... hmm. oh, that's pretty cool. Well, hey Adam, uh, I I can't tell you how much we appreciate the the uh, spur of the moment partnership here joining on to make this a trio. I know Kip and I appreciate it, and uh, heck, this has been our longest show in quite some time. So. Yeah, uh, it's nice when uh, now I can give somebody else a hard time about talking a lot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, it's been good. Um, good. I, I did. I, I kind of mentioned it, alluded to it earlier, but I found out quickly how it is for Kip to live in Dominican Republic with all the noise, because the cast I stayed in had two balconies with bifold doors. And the bifold doors have a window on one side and then slats on the other, on the interior door. And all those slats are open to outside. So uh-huh. you don't have any noise restriction. Yep. So vehicles running down the street and the buildings being like, I don't know, 20 feet from each other across the street, all you hear is noise all, no- all day long, all night long, 6 o'clock in the morning, people screaming from balconies down to people in the streets having yelling conversations. Yeah. You know? and, and here we don't have AC and all the windows in the house are open all the time. I mean, we have screens now in this house, thankfully keep the mosquitoes out, but yeah, really there's nothing. We don't even have the slats in our windows here. Just bars. <laughs> Man. I'm- yeah. And, and with all the noise that Kip always gets during our podcasts, um, I've often said in chat how much I, I admire how, how patient he is. But I, I learned firsthand, like, uh, that's what I was saying. I learned how, how patient Kip really is <laughs> this week. People don't know how many hundred times I click this mute button during any given show. If yeah. I'm not speaking, I'm muted because you never well, know what's about to happen. I have to say I'm, uh, I'm blown away by the fact that I don't think we had one car go by during the recording. Well, I 
every moment I was not talking, I was muted. Well, you did a very good job. Yeah, I'm pretty good. <laughs> All right, Kipper, why don't you close us out, my man? I don't close us out. You do the dedication. Well, why don't you why don't you set me up? How's that? Okay, Craig's gonna do a dedication. Huh? No, <laughs> <laughs> I'm teasing. Yeah, folks, we certainly do. As always, appreciate you tuning in. Thanks to DC for another fantastic Unbanded and uh, giving us another opportunity to kind of look silly in front of a bunch of people. Uh, if you tune back in next episode for 157, we will be smoking the La Flor Dominicana TAA 47, which was this past year's voted favorite amongst the retailers that attended the uh, TAA conference or convention. Uh, but in the meantime, if you want to get in touch with us, you can catch us at Craig at com or Kip at com. And we'd love to hear from you. Uh, otherwise, you can also find us on all the typical social media outlets, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. And as we've mentioned several times in the past two hours, uh, at the forum at Half Ashed. Just uh, click the little boton at the top that says forum and uh, come and join us. Well, tonight was a blast and uh, makes it awful simple to send a dedication out here to, to Mr. Z himself, none other than our good friend and yours, Z-Man, the Zedster, Mr. Edom. I appreciate it greatly. It's uh, nice of you to jump in, make the show a little bit different tonight, uh, bring another, another character to the recording and tell us all about not just uh, what your trip was like, but what Havana's like what uh, that dream we all have uh, is obviously a little bit more like than it was yesterday when we hadn't heard everything. So this is awesome. Um, appreciate it greatly. And uh, want to make sure that you know that tonight the show's yours, brother. Thank you. And as always, as Kip had said, as I always do say, want to make sure everybody knows without question, good night and thanks for listening.